and welcome to Fit Speak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfeld and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the training season well underway, don't get left behind. Maximize your time with personalized and effective sessions and a guide to help you along the way. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to lose weight, run a marathon, finish a fondle, or tackle a triathlon, it's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeed page and take your first step to the finish line. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Bruce. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week is Bruce. Mention that word to the staff the next time you're at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, your Wenting's Word of the Week, Bruce. On our program today, our latest installment of Vince Speaks, Zach Neufeld is here with a new segment of Between the Ears, and Kevin Watt will be rejoining us for his social media shout-outs. How long does it take to get good at anything? Well, that depends on a lot of things. If you've ever been to an under-11 swim meet or a junior high school band performance, you'll likely discover that a young talent, nurtured, even for a few months, can yield amazing results. Eight-year-olds who swim like marlins, or ten-year-olds who sound like Chuck Mangione. And then there's the other end of the scale, folks who just lack that raw talent. And it shows. Just one of the cruel realities of life that we got to deal with, even if we're still in elementary school. When it comes to raw talent, however, most of us fall somewhere in the middle. It's the bell curve at work. We're neither genetically talented freaks, nor are we hopelessly untalented, if that's a word. And that leads us to our next guest, age group triathlete Dwayne Foley out of Fort Langley. Dwayne, you could say, is one of us, a regular guy who's had to battle his way up from the back of the pack including being one of the slowest swimmers in his first triathlon to being a top age group performer in almost any race he competes in. Let's meet Dwayne Foley. Here we are sitting on the grass. We're in between races at the 15th annual Oliver Half Ironman. They just finished running the sprint and the Olympic distance race. Special guest on FitSpeak 37 this week from Langley, a firefighter and a top age grouper by the name of Duane Foley. Duane, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, drop by and sit on the grass with us this afternoon. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here in Oliver. Weather's beautiful. I'm pretty excited hype for the race that's coming up but before we get into the future as in tomorrow's 15th annual half Ironman put on by dynamic race events uh, where did you grow up yeah Kevin I grew up uh, in Coquitlam uh, spent uh, 20 years in Coquitlam before I moved to Langley and uh, raised my family in Langley so growing up as a kid uh, what kind of sports were you into Pretty much did everything as a kid growing up. I was in a bit of cycling actually growing up, more BMX style. Um, snowboarding was the big thing, uh, into mountain biking. I was big into uh, baseball. 
Um, dabbled in pretty much everything. Did a little bit of curling. Did a provincial championships in curling. In curling? Yeah. But, are, you, are you sure you're not from Saskatchewan? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah, I would have never thought. But yeah, you know what? You got to try everything once anyways, right? So what kind of role did your parents or perhaps your brother or sisters, your siblings have in, uh, in your sporting career? Yeah, you know what? My parents are really good. They encouraged me to do everything. They were not shy, put me in any sport. Whatever I wanted to do, they would make sure I get there, do everything. I've got an older brother. He's totally opposite of me. He is the bookworm guy, but he would come to every event I'd go to, every sporting event, no matter what it was, tournaments, anything, and he would be there supporting me. He's pretty good. He still does. He comes to all my big races now, right? And he's getting to cycling himself, so that's awesome. So a lot of good uh, family support. Um, you surprised me already with the curling anecdote. Um, what were your big sports in high school, maybe grade 10, 11, 12? Uh, 10, 11, 12 uh, definitely would have been probably baseball. Baseball and... Uh, Which position? Uh, shortstop. So I played shortstop for many years, played backstop for a couple of years, but yeah, I'd end up being shortstop for a long time. And then uh, the, my, I think my number one passion probably would have been snowboarding at that time. So a bit of power, a lot of agility, a lot of nice fresh air. Where would you go snowboarding? Uh, we had a place, uh, we had a cabin up at Hemlock for many years. So spend pretty much every weekend up there. And then uh, when I wasn't up there with the family, we'd go to uh, Whistler. And the transition. So you get out of high school, not so many team sports to take part of uh, as compared into high school. What, what kept you active during those years? Uh, you know what? I actually uh, signed up for like a beer league baseball team. And, you know, I just wanted to have something fun. I wanted to get out of the competitive part of it and just do something fun. And then, then my life took a bit of a, of a curveball thrown at me when my son was born. So then that all segued into me starting to coach all the sports and activities. And then I just started getting back into baseball, basketball. I started getting into everything. So you're um, what age group right now? I'm just going to ask you flat out. <laughs> your, your competitors want to know this too. Yeah, I'm in the 40 to 45 category right now. So growing up, uh, was there such a thing as triathlon? Was it on your radar screen at all? Or uh, was that something you kind of learned about later in your life? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I think if you asked me 20 years ago what triathlon was, I would probably say what? I had no idea, never even heard of the word, never even really knew what it was about. And so, yeah, it really showed up later in life for me. So take us back. Um, what was your first triathlon? How did that go for you? <laughs> yeah. He's I, laughing. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it is a good sign. Uh, so the first one was the, uh, the Peach Classic in Penticton. That would have been about eight, nine years ago now. Uh, did it go well? No, not at all. I was the second to last person out of the water. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, so were you breaststroking it, backstroking it? I did everything I could to survive it. How's that? I was hanging on to kayaks. I was floating on my back. I did anything I could do to get out of that water, just thinking... This is the smallest portion of this whole race. I could be in lots of trouble right now. So at that moment, you discovered curlers aren't necessarily the most <laughs> gifted swimmers. That is, I didn't have a broom or a rock <laughs> or anything. Yeah, I, I needed to learn to swim, and that was it. So you got out of the water, and then onto the bike you went. What was the rest of your day like? Oh, the rest of the day actually went really well. A um, little surprising. I surprised myself. I was shocked. That was the very first race I ever did. I did about four months of training prior to that. I didn't even own... Uh, time trial bike until then so that was everything was new to me I got off the bike did really well got off the run 
I didn't even know I could run that fast for 10K. I posted a 41-minute 10K. For your first Olympic, wow. Yeah, for my first Olympic distance, let alone probably my first 10K run <laughs> ever timed. And I was shocked. Didn't know I was even that good at it. And so I got the bug, and this, here we are now. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that uh, attracted me and having you as a guest of Spitzbeak, you've been pretty consistent over the years with a lot of podium finishes, qualified for the World Championships over in Penticton uh, a couple of years back. When did, when did the lights or when did the things start really turning on for you as far as you know, you're realizing you're pretty, pretty good at this sport? Uh, you know what? I think it was probably just a lot of the encouragement from my wife is I've, she kept saying, don't sell yourself short. You're actually better than you think you are. And I was like, no, other guys are fast. They're fast. And then one year in Cultus Lake, when we were racing dynamic events, I finished the race and my wife's like, you are 11th overall right now. I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. And I ended up winning my age group that year. And I was like, really? And then I started realizing, you know what? Maybe I'm not bad for an old guy. And, mm. and I started pushing forward and, starting to train a lot more a lot more and then realize yeah i'm doing all right in life right nothing to complain about that's for sure yeah 11th overall that's kind of an eye-opener especially when you look around especially at the start of the race you look you know the transition area is full of you know fast looking people mean looking people mean looking bikes and then you think you beat probably 92 percent or more of that field uh makes you feel pretty good about yourself and it also kind of instills a bit of confidence and it's like okay i can maybe start to take this thing uh a bit more seriously how did you uh develop then as a swimmer obviously going from you know uh a scared guy in the water just to get the darn thing over with to uh, coming 11th overall that must have improved a lot what did you do to get better uh well at that point i started looking at uh getting into getting a coach and everything and trying to help me basically pursue a better I don't know placement and start winning more of my age group thinking that I could do it and so uh, what I did is I ended up hiring a coach learn how to swim put the time in I would swim with a coach twice a week and over time it just slowly developed and that's all it took a lot of dedication to the one part that I knew I was the weakest in Right? And now I'm very comfortable in the swim. I'm still not a top swimmer by any means, but I can swim out there. I'm comfortable with it, and it's lots of fun. So take us back to, you've been a firefighter now for how many years? Uh, I've been uh, 12 years now. I've been, I've been two, I was two years with a volunteer at Township of Langley in Fort Langley, and then the last 10 years I've been with the city of Surrey. Now, how does that translate to uh, your life and your working and your training schedule? How do you manage to, I mean, you're a family guy as well. How do you manage to, you know, carve up enough time for the training, for the racing, plus also doing a full-time job and, you know, all those husbandly and dad duties? Yeah, you know what? I think this job is the best job in the world to have for, to be able to pursue this sport. I work a four-on, four-off shift. I have four days off for myself, for my family, everything. So I have a lot of time that I can dedicate to training, a lot of time I can dedicate to my family. So being a firefighter, I think it actually plays in my favor big time. And it helps me, keeps me in shape both for the sport and for my job, which is even just a bonus, really, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Talk to us a little bit about, you had mentioned that uh, you started swimming and then you hired a coach. I see you're wearing Fit Club, www.anthonytoth.ca. What was your motivation in hiring a coach other than to, to get better at uh, swimming? 
Well, when I first got into the sport, uh, I was told that I should probably look into getting a coach and thinking that that was probably a great idea. And so that's what I did. And I was actually given Anthony Toth's name through uh, Speed Theory, the guys at Speed Theory in Vancouver. There was a gentleman there, uh, Jeremy Wilson, great guy. He suggested I go see Anthony Toth. So I gave Anthony Toth a call, told him what I was doing. I was getting into triathlon and I want to pursue it. And he said, sure. And next thing you know, we're nine years later and we're still training together, having fun together. And he's pushing me harder than ever. So what are some of the things uh, you've learned from Anthony that you probably would have never found out on your own? Uh, some of the things that I learned would have been, uh, it's more quality over quantity, that's for sure. You can go and put five hours on a bike, you can run a full marathon, you can swim 4K in the water, but it's how efficient are you when you do this? And are you doing it correctly? Are you strain training? Are you prepping yourself? Are you hydrating? Are you staying on top of just your everyday life of getting rest? And he's big on it's quantity over quality. And quality over quantity. Sorry, yeah. sorry, quality over quantity. Right. He's big on that. And he's also big on if you're injured, you have to fix the injury before you can pursue this. So you can't race injured. It just doesn't work. And, I, and I've learned that over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us some about uh, some of the highlights that you had from last season. Fairly successful, not so great performances. We were talking off mic at the at the championships in Penticton, but once again, overall, a, a successful year for you. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I had a I had a couple of great races, a couple of podium finishes for my age group, but um, the, the highlights I think kind of kind of plays into the disappointment factor as well at the Worlds when I had a tough day, and um, I ended up having to walk the last about three to five kilometers of the run it just wasn't me I just had a bad day and it is a bit of a highlight in a way too because you learn a lot from it and seeing everybody that's supporting you I'm running or walking at this point and I've got guys coming in um, from other clubs guys that are standing on the sideline willing to give me water food anything just to get me to the finish line nobody wants me to quit so that to me is more of a highlight it shows you the dedication from not just the racers but the spectators too which is just absolutely huge in this sport yeah it's it's gratifying to see i mean if you're having a tough day out there i mean if anybody has been in the sport for a long enough time, you know, their luck is going to run out, whether it's, a, you know, running low on electrolytes, cramping, flat on the bike, some sort of mechanical issue. And it's, you know, for the most part in this sport, people, you know, of course, they want to beat you, but they want to also give you an opportunity to get back on the course and do your best and finish the race. Yeah, it's, it's about right. Like, I've, I've had guys in my age group have beaten me when I've been in, in the lead and they've they've ended up winning or they've placed higher than I have and I get to the finish line they're giving me hugs and they're seeing if I'm okay they want to know if they can do anything so the camaraderie is just is by far probably the best sport to be in yeah a lot of positive uh, social aspects to that as well here we are in the month of June. It's actually June 2nd. I think I was saying that a little bit earlier. You've done already one triathlon with pretty good success over at Westwood Lake. Over the wintertime, that long, dark season between, say, October and, uh, and March, what were you working on? Well, yeah, you know what? I actually took a lot of time off this year. My last race was in November at uh, um, Arizona Ironman, and I was pretty burnt out by the time the race was done. 
So I took a lot of time off and the one thing I did focus on was my swim. So I would dedicate every Tuesday, Thursday to my swim nights and always swimming. And then just everyday fitness, like I would just constantly go for a nice run and everything was done with no computers. No, no, it was just fun now. Everything was back to the basics, just feeling, just feel your body and how you react. And so the one thing I did work on would have been my swim over the winter. Swim, a little bit of strength training to go with it too. Tell us about uh, your hardest day of triathlon, hardest day at the office, and uh, what that was and how you overcame those challenges. Uh, Sounds like it might not have been that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're going to go the hardest day and, and to overcome the challenge, I would definitely pick Penticton at the World Championships. Definitely. Um, good swim, good bike. And just to clarify for our listeners, these were the World Long Distance Championships. So it's it's kind of a unique race length. There's a three-kilometer swim, a 120-kilometer bike, and then that's finished off with a 30-kilometer run. So it sits somewhere. It's longer than a half Ironman, but it's uh, a bit shorter in all the right places, especially that last 12 kilometers of the run. So it's, it's a little bit faster potentially than an Ironman, especially on the last part of the run. Run. but but tell us about that day yeah you're absolutely right kevin like it is you're a little bit faster your pacing seems to be a little quicker because you in your head you know the distance are a little smaller so your pace could be a little quicker not necessarily a good thing either <laughs> so on no on that day like we talked about it earlier i just had a tough run on that day um overcame by just sitting at aid stations eating and just realizing today's not my day but today's still going to be the day that I finish no matter what and so I took my time to eat to hydrate and to get cooled down out of the sun and I would I persevered just by walking and not giving up and it's not in our nature to give up like you nobody ever wants to give up you always feel bad you feel like you let yourself down you let everybody else down around you who spent countless hours waiting for you because you're training <laughs> so you don't want to let you feel in your in your soul and in your heart that you're letting them down when in fact you're not you they still look at you the same way they still love you no matter what happens yeah. at the end of the day so to overcome that i think was my biggest accomplishment ever wasn't what i wanted but still happy that i finished it at the end of the day and get to hang out with all my friends now let's have some fun. So you've been in the sport for eight or nine years, and if you've been doing it right, you've also had some epic funny moments. Can you tell us about any any embarrassing moments that stick out for you? Uh, yeah, actually, I'd, not, too, not too much. I, I get embarrassed about very little things, I guess, right? Um, Few of our guests do. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Triathletes, that explains it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. We're just a different breed of characters. But uh, yeah. Uh, Peach Classic one year, heading out of transition, just jumped the bike off, had a good swim, had a great bike. I was I was sitting fourth in my age group. The f- um, third place guy was straight in front of me, and I was like, this is going to be an epic run, until they stopped me at transition and said, uh, excuse me, sir, you still have your helmet on. How far do you run? I had just ran out the transition, uh. and they grabbed me on the way out. The, so I was heading out onto the road when they grabbed me, and I was like, what? And I didn't even know I had it on, and I had to feel my head to realize it was on. So, yeah, a little embarrassing, and I think my kids and my wife and everybody else had a good laugh, and they still don't let me live it down. <laughs> well, it is important to be safe in a triathlon. Um, 
What what's your uh, you're now uh, we just received word you've moved from Langley to the beautiful community of Fort Langley so you've had a chance to ride the roads in that area and a lot of riding um, what's your favorite training ride in in BC oh in BC wow you know I, I'm gonna be I, I do really love it up here in Oliver love training up here love being up here my parents live up here so it's a great place to come and visit my parents and get out on the bike or get out on the run the weather is just gorgeous the scenery up here is gorgeous but i'm going to be partial and say uh fort langley at the end of the day i last 20 years i've spent down there and being on the fort to fort trail running is beautiful out to Campbell valley on the bikes beautiful like it's just something to die for there's no other place like it so if i had to if i had to pick i'd say fort langley Okay, um, so you do the epic ride, Fort Langley. It's three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It's about 25 degrees. You get home, your beautiful new house at Fort Langley. What's going to be your post-workout beverage of choice? Um, healthy or otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it actually depends on the day. I, Simons was a real dud. He said, oh, I'm just going to get some of this F2C Recover. I wanted to pry some good stuff out of him, but all I could get was... F2C. Uh, are you the same? Tell us the story. Well, F2C is good. I'm not going to lie, but no, I'm not the same. Uh, probably two things that I die for every time after racing or training. One, believe it or not, is just the staple of the chocolate milk. I love ice cold chocolate milk all the time. It's been my go-to drink even before racing. But yeah, um, not going to lie, I do actually like an ice cold Coca-Cola. Ah. It's the very few times that I actually drink pop. Mm -hmm. And it seems like I just crave it after a hot day of racing and training. So you've been doing this for, like I say, about nine years. Um, to a person who's just kind of getting started out in the sport, maybe they've done one or maybe they're, they're thinking about one. Any maybe two, maybe three pieces of advice that you would give to that person? Yeah, you know what? The biggest advice I got starting this whole thing when I started looking into getting into triathlon, never knew much about it. The one thing I was told is to have fun. Make your first race a race that you're going to enjoy. You're going to have lots of fun. Don't make it a race that you think you're going to go out and be the number one guy. Have lots of fun with it and enjoy it, and you'll stick with the sport for the rest of your life. Nine years later, I still have lots of fun. Even on my hardest days, at the end of the day, I'm still smiling, laughing, and having a good old time. So one piece of advice, have fun. Yeah, as you can uh, certainly attest to that, seeing, seeing Dwayne on the course, going as quickly as he is, but one thing that doesn't seem to leave his face ever is smiling. So we'll leave you with a fun question to, to round off our interview, Dwayne. So if you could be an animal other than a human being, what animal would you be, and tell us why? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I actually was talking about this the other day with my wife. I said a monkey. And she's like, why? I said, because you always say I'm unpredictable, crazy, out of control. You don't know what I'm doing, one thing for another. And then I said, why? What do you think? And she said, a cheetah. And I said, why? She goes, because when you're gone, you're gone. No <laughs> one's keeping up to you. You're not, we, we just leave you. You're gone. We don't see you. You're a blur. And I'm like, oh, okay. So if there's a hybrid between a monkey and a cheetah, that would be me. But I'm going to go with a monkey. And here's your FitSpeak 37 upcoming event schedule. The second annual Positive Spin Cycle to raise awareness for mental health rides on Saturday, June 23rd in Chilliwack. 
It's not a race, but if you want to ride hard, you can. There's three distances, a 100, a 160, and a 200-kilometer option. It truly is a great event with on-course support, and the event will only cost you $40. Less than a latte at Starbucks. Well, maybe a week's worth? Sign up right now at PositiveSpinCycle.com. Once again, PositiveSpinCycle.com. Over in Abbotsford at the Recreation Center there, they have a program for building strength and balance. It's called Bones and Balance, and it's held Fridays at 10.30. If you're looking to build up that core or to regain that long-gone range of motion in your shoulders, hips, or other places, check it out. Type in Bones and Balance, and then City of Abbotsford. That'll take you to the site for more information. If you're one of those folks who likes to sign up for things way in advance, here's one for you. It's the second annual Mission Half Marathon. The race is being held entirely off-road on the race course at the Mission Speedway. That means no hills, no getting lost. It's on October 27th. By the way, that's a Saturday. Just Google Mission Half Marathon to sign up for that one. And finally, a reminder, if you have an event, whether that's a race, a clinic, a new fitness group, we want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on our FitSpeak homepage and we'll be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule. Hey, FitSpeak fans, do you hear that music? You know what time it is. It's time for the FitSpeak shoutouts. I'm Kevin Watt with your Instagram shoutouts. It's our way of acknowledging and thanking the folks who are out there in our community and doing great things. First off, a big shout-out goes to Rory Morgan out of the Tri-City area for completing his first sprint triathlon up in Oliver this past weekend. And secondly, we'd like to acknowledge Tri-City Triathlon Club. They're based out of the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for a club to go train with and you're in that area, contact them through Instagram or Facebook. And finally, FitSpeak would like to shout-out to sky to sea They're based out of Whistler. She's a very motivated female cyclist. Check her story out on her Instagram page. That's it for this time, and remember to like us on Facebook. And if you know someone who's doing great things in the fitness, wellness, and endurance sports community, hit us up on Facebook or on our Instagram page, at FitSpeak. There's a lot of ways you could describe Abbotsford's Vince D'Amato. Web developer, entrepreneur, pro soccer player, dad, singer, social activist, elite triathlete. In his 50 years on the planet, Vince has done many, many things. And in our FitSpeak series, you'll get a chance to learn about this multifaceted guy. If you want to know how to get fast in Ironman racing, you got to get fast at the shorter distances first. In our fifth installment of Vince Speaks, we hear about Vince's speedy years that laid the groundwork for what should have been a Kona qualifying year. Instead, Vince tells us about the injury that led him to leave the sport of triathlon. This is Vince Speaks. I was training for a third, um, but to you know to talk about those uh, in order, I. I uh, Took a year off of Ironman. 94, I did my second one. Uh, in 93, I wanted to do some fun racing. 
and so I went and raced St. Croix mm. uh, and uh, did some racing down in the States and did a few, the Escape from Alcatraz in San Francisco in, in 93. More and, sharks. More sharks, <laughs> yeah, and jellyfishes <laughs> and uh, cold and cold and sand running, running on the beach. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a toughie. Uh, so was St. Croix, but, you know, mm. all triathlons are tough. Take your choice. Yeah. So, uh, so 94, though, I went back with uh, attitude. I um, wasn't just... Uh, sub 11 wasn't my goal leading up to that. I, um, I wanted to try and qualify for Kona and triathlon has never been easy. It wasn't easy back then, uh, to qualify for Kona. I had to probably break 10 hours in, in the age group that I was mm-hmm. back then. So that's not easy no matter who you are any day of the week. <laughs> so, um, uh, but my day started out well, again, I, I really felt like I nailed the training and, uh, I had a 52 minute swim. Uh, and a 518 bike leg, um, and then uh, ran the first 10 miles of the marathon in about an hour and three minutes, I think. My goodness. I was just flying. Flying, yeah. Yeah, and um, and the day was going well until I hit about halfway in the marathon, and then I got some dizzy spells. Oh. And um, so had a, had a, um, uh, uh, ended up again walking, mm. um, uh, trying to not fall down. So I'm, to this day, not really sure um, what, what electrolyte salt, I mean, I had all that pretty nailed, mm-hmm. uh, but something happened. I ended up in the medical tent for eight hours after the Oh event. my goodness. Okay. Some serious stuff. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was, uh, they wouldn't let me go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, low blood, blood pressure, high heart rate didn't, mm-hmm. didn't move for eight hours. Um, but you know, I, I did, but on that day I broke 11 hours. <laughs> so I had to walk a bit, but I broke 11 hours. And you paid for it in the medical tent. Paid for it in the medical mm-hmm. tent. Yeah, yeah. So that was your last Ironman. That was my last completed one. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I did uh, w- want to train for a third, um, but um, I thought if I waited until I turned forty, um, it would be easier to qualify. E- easier to get to Kona. Yeah. Um, the qualifying. It's, it's even easier when you're sixty-five. <laughs> That's what I heard. But by the time we're sixty-five, it's not. But that's another story. Yeah. Well. So to, I, I mentioned that when I was in, in 94, it was going to be a sub 10 hour. I think a, qual- a good qualifying time when I was 40 was 10.15. Mm-hmm. So lots, lots slower. <laughs> lots easier. <laughs> Only had much. to run a 3.20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's a competitive sport mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's always going to be competitive. But, yeah, I was training for my third and... Um, Having, uh, again, a two-year program, and the, pr- the year before, my first year of training, I probably had my most successful year of triathloning in my entire life. Um, it was, Why do you think that was? Well, I was faster than I had ever been. I was doing Olympics. In fact, I was really, if I hadn't have done, if, if it wasn't in the context of Ironman training, I really feel like I could have, for the first time ever, broken two hours for an Olympic. I was right close. That's world class. That's world class. Real close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, again, I was really set up for a success or, or some form of success at, at, at mm-hmm. an Ironman. Um, uh, so, so that first year of training ends. The second year comes along, and I have a couple of triathlons planned in the early season. And in one of them, I, I'm running along, and I start to get some foot pain. And um, it feels a little bit like a stress fracture. Um, and as I, as I'm running, it gets worse and worse and it gets worse really fast. Mm. So it felt like a stress fracture. So I shut it down and I walk the race in and, and, um, 
and then I head back to the physicians and the doctors and the x-rays. And um, what I determine at that time is that all the ankle injuries that I have had um, have loosened the ligaments and the tendons in my foot so that the forefoot and the, and the heel, there's a gap has opened up in between them. And um, painful? Extremely. Mm. And so from that day, the next two years I walked with a limp. Mm. So it took two years for me to get pain-free walking. And um, so the Ironman obviously was out. <clears throat> I, there was no way I was going to... I didn't want to walk another marathon. Mm. Uh, if, you got, if you get there and you got to walk, that's one thing. But mm. to know going yeah. in, I yeah, wasn't To gonna, plan that, yeah. Yeah, not, not good. So I get, um, I, get, uh, I get kind of on the rehab train again. Uh, but this time, it's really not recovering. And there's no good prognosis. Uh, surgery won't help. Um, uh, it, I just begin kind of a slow rehab to deal with the, uh, the, the structure of the ankle and the foot around it and hope that something happens good. And nothing really did. I, I went most of the next eight years, eight with, years, eight years without running at all, zero running. How um, did you stay sane? Well, it was hard because I, I, I'd run, my whole life was about running. Mm. You know, even the soccer Moving. Yeah. was about running. Mm. And whenever I felt bad, I'd go for a run. If I felt good, I'd go for a run. If I felt fat, I'd go for a <laughs> run. If I felt thin, I'd go for a run. Okay. You know, that was what life mm. was about. Mm. And um, so it was real tough. And again, so, you know, the two years that I limped around, I, I limped around in a, in a lot of ways, mm. mentally, emotionally, mm. uh, tough. And, and, an, and the other thing that was weighing on me by now is I'd had seven severe ankle injuries is one minor and then this foot thing happened and i was sick and tired of rehabbing mm. you know really really tired of the effort and the pain involved and in coming back again and so i th i thought to myself maybe this is the this is the time i need to make another paradigm shift mm. maybe i need to just say you know what that's another phase soccer had a phase it's over running's had a phase maybe it's over and so i started to you know look at other things different ways to work out and and burn off that energy and, yeah. and you know, that, um, cause at the time you're still not old like you are today. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, you know, early forties and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I was looking around for challenges. I, I, uh, some of you might've heard of the P90X workout routine, which is all push-ups and chin-ups and, and as a soccer player, you don't do any of that. Uh, so I thought, Oh, you know, I, I, I think I can do two chin-ups. Let's see, <laughs> let's see what I can work that into. And, um, you know, so I found that to be a challenge and, and uh, sort of took that head on for a little while. And, um, and, and just really, I didn't have a focal point of athletics for that, you know, maybe five or six or seven years. There was no focal point at all. So if what, I went for What would friend, you do? It was like once in a week, twice well, in a week? I, I would still work out. Mm -hmm. I'd go to the gym. I'd, but I, I really mixed it up with mm -hmm. between weightlifting and cycling in the summer and a little mountain biking and, and some skiing. So I would be puzzled. I mean, you're a competitive guy. You're on your bike. That's not a liability. Why didn't you, you know, get into time trialing, road racing on the bike or, or mountain biking for that matter? Yeah. Or, or did you? It's a very good question, and I didn't. And one of the uh, uh, one of the very sort of self-evaluating moments in life is when you sort of look at this. And again, you know, I kept taking these sort of emotional hits that went along with that. 
And I thought, yeah, you know, I could get on. I could ride masters on a road bike, or I could do time trialing, or this, or I could relay a triathlon. But something about that last injury, where the the diagnosis of running was maybe never run again, and and there was even talk, you know, um, with my wonderful friend Greg Bay, the physiotherapist, about you know walking in the future may be an issue. Mm. You know, walking without aid. You know, you might be all right to walk with a limp for 10 years, but then you might need a cane. And 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 so, you know, I I really just didn't have the enthusiasm hmm. for training at, at a level. So uh, I went to the gym and did what I did, went out for a toodle on the bike, but it was never with purpose. It was always just with, you know, uh, get out and enjoy some fresh air and, uh, and, and not really put any sort of effort into into it. And at the um, same time, you're also raising a family. Yeah. Well, uh, um, this, <laughs> we all have that <laughs> uh, uh, to consider. Uh, now, time was a different thing as well. You know, in, in 92, I'm a single guy, no mortgage, no children, no nothing. And mm-hmm. um, you got all the time in the world. And, and at 40, I had a, an eight-year-old. Few responsibilities. Yeah, and, uh, and a mortgage and all those different <laughs> things. Um but you know, I've, I've, you know, my 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 daughter was athletic, had become a competitive swimmer, mm. and and so uh, when when she went to the pool, I would go to the pool, and so I still kept doing that stuff. Just when did she start beating you? Uh, well, <laughs> let, let, let's just say you don't want to get uh, <laughs> in a swimming contest with her, even <laughs> even today. <laughs> uh, she was great. I mean, she's she was totally built for it. She's. Um, now she's 16 and 5'11 and, um, flippers and mm. got a wingspan like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. So, uh, yeah. So, um, but so it never really left me the, the athletic side of things, but the competitiveness did mm. like the, you know, that I'd re- kind of had the wind kicked out of my sails mm. enough where More I was than like, once, yeah. yeah, like I'm kind of a little bit done maybe. <laughs> The 15th annual Oliver Half Iron Extravaganza was held on Saturday, June the 2nd, along with Sunday the 3rd. We have some of the top performances of the weekend for you right now. Starting off with the sprint distance race, here's Zach Neufeld. The sprint distance triathlon features a 750 meter swim, followed by a 20k bike ride, and finished off with a 5k run. In the men's overall, Stan Lorenzo finished first in an hour and three minutes. In the overall women's uh, sprint distance triathlon, Adrian Erdman finished in an an hour, 11 minutes, and 32 seconds. Couple honorable mentions. In second place, Winston Gow, an honorable Abbotsford Triathlon Club member, finished in an hour and six minutes, just three minutes behind first place in the men's division. And And fourth place was taken by Roy Macbeth, another local athlete, in an hour and seven minutes. Mikey Ross finished in sixth in an hour and seven minutes. And in the women's category, an honorable mention goes to Maylen Normandin for finishing in, 30, uh, in third place. And let's take things over with Kevin Watt, who's going to be giving us the race results from the Olympic or the standard distance race. Over in the standard Olympic distance, which is a kilometer and a half swim, a 40k bike ride, and a 10 kilometer run. In the top male category, Derek Juno 
in a time of 2 hours, 7 minutes, and 25 seconds. And in the top female athlete category, Lisa Burgess finishing in a time of 2 hours, 21 minutes, and 47 seconds. Now this is the 15th annual running of the half Ironman distance race there in Oliver and it was the first time with a brand new race course. Apparently there was some construction going on in downtown Oliver so they had to uh, switch up the course. Beautiful course, sexy new pavement but this year a course distance for the bike portion of only 87 kilometers but tough. Here are your overall champions in the men's division. Martin Curran with a time of 4 hours 17 minutes taking the female crown. Vanessa Tilson in a time of 4 hours and 55 minutes. Just one other noteworthy performance. Kind of interesting that we had met Strani Rani or in this case the winner of the F2C Dynamic Race Events contest that we had on Fitspeak a little while back. Wayne Little coming in second for the 45 to the 49 age group. Congratulations to all those folks. And to round out the weekend, we had the Aqua Bike event, which featured a two kilometer swim and an 87 kilometer bike ride. Taking the win in the overall, David Trill in a time of three hours, three minutes. Roy Macbeth, F2C ambassador, time of 3.08. Female crown win by Samantha Hoft in a time of 3 hours and 15 minutes. And an honorable mention to the ever-tough Tanya Jones. She came second overall in the aqua bike in the females with a time of 3.39. And let's not forget about the Victoria Half Ironman that just occurred on the same day uh, on Sunday this last weekend. Nathan Killam finished third place overall. So congratulations, Nathan. And also winning that race overall was the guy from Ontario ripping up the scene. No, not Lionel Sanders, but Cody Beal. So Cody won, Nathan Killam came third, and local triathlon hero and actually Olympian Brent McMahon from Vancouver Island, he came in second. And those are your Fitspeed 37 race results. I'm Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. This winter, I hit the gym and lifted some weights, and realized I was training myself how to push to failure. And that, in an odd way, building physical strength is about pushing yourself to the point where you become weak. Pushing yourself to muscle failure. I got comfortable with reaching my limit, which increased my strength and ability to succeed. Maybe there's something to this. In this segment, I'm talking about pushing ourselves to the limit in training and in racing. Jones, Hampton, and Connaughton published a study in The Sports Psychologist called A Framework of Mental Toughness in the World's Best Performers. The researchers sampled athletes who made their ultimate sports career achievements, including eight Olympic and world champions, three coaches, and four sports psychologists. They define mental toughness as having the natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to generally cope better than your opponents with the demands that sports place on a performer, while being more consistent, better than your opponents, and remaining determined, focused, confident, and in control under pressure. The study discovered that pushing yourself to the limit is a dimension of mental toughness. Pushing yourself to the limit is about challenging yourself to reach your physical boundaries, 
It means taking pleasure in and welcoming the parts of a training regime that most other performers avoid or dislike. This kind of mental toughness is about loving the bits of training that hurt. Chris McCormack, a triathlete, said that success in the sport is above all else about enduring suffering. According to the study, while most performers can cope and tolerate pain, mentally tough performers derive pleasure from being able to give absolutely everything. One participant said, it's about pushing yourself as hard as you possibly can and challenging yourself mentally through that. I would like the fact that it would hurt and I wouldn't want to dream of stopping. And then to add to this, Sebastian Kinley, an Ironman world champion gold medalist, said, If it's hurting me, it's killing them. This brings us to another part of pushing yourself to the limit, wanting to beat other people. The study said that at every opportunity, mentally tough performers practice being better than everyone else. They are very competitive with themselves and others, which enhances their drive to learn and their need to win. The performers in this study were also not afraid to put themselves on the line, so to speak. Their identities had the narrative, I'm very good, I'm going to prove it, I'm going to take you out of this and beat you. Along the same lines, Mark Allen, a five-time Ironman World Championship winner, said you can keep going and your legs might hurt for a week, or you can quit and your mind will hurt for a lifetime. Pushing ourselves to the limit means transcending our fears and enjoying being on top of our discomfort. It's about getting comfortable with our limits and enjoying pushing them further. Earlier we learned from the study, a framework of mental toughness in the world's best performers, that we can push ourselves to be more mentally tough by learning to enjoy the hurt, making it meaningful, and striving competitively to be the best that we can be. Thanks for listening. For Between the Ears, I'm Zach Neufeld. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only wellness, fitness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wentings in Mission. Your Wentings word of the week is Bruce. FitSpeak is also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Take your first step to the finish line by starting with TriJoy. See the link at the bottom of this page to get in touch and to get going. Join us next time when Kevin Watt will be back for social media shoutouts. Vince D'Amano will return for segment six of Vince Speaks. And Zach Neufeld explores the connection between the mind and the body in between the ears. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.